this is Ozla Matar, and I'm your host for Season 3 of the International Voices at Queen's Podcast. This episode is recorded on the traditional lands of Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples, and it features guests with international experiences. And today I have two special guests on the line. Mina Kamel Faris Boles comes from Egypt. He's a second year PhD student in civil engineering. And Edwin Chiari Faris is first international friend at Queens. Edwin is from Kenya. Edwin, you just graduated, right? Yes, I recently graduated from my master's program in neuroscience. Uh-huh. Excellent. So, and I also, you know, I'm looking at my notes and I see that you did your undergrad at Queens. So I started out with bachelor's in science. Later on, I switched to uh, life sciences with a minor in psychology. Uh, I had a few issues towards the end of my fourth year, so I just ended up graduating with my bachelor's in science honors in life sciences. Excellent. Now to our next person. Mina, you are in your PhD. Yeah, for sure. So uh, in the beginning, I would like to say hello to everyone. Uh, so my name is Mina. I am from Egypt, as uh, Oslim introduced me. Uh, I am doing my PhD in civil engineering. What is your research project? It's... Uh, smart project i can say it's like thermal break between the balcony and the residential buildings and the aim of this thermal break is to minimize the heat dissipation through the concrete uh, in winter okay we can say your research is very contextually relevant yeah you can see exactly yeah so it's relevant to the weather here and the problem of um, cold weather so as you know our topic is food and i bet you know a lot about each other's food habits and this this question is for both of you but and you're welcome to respond in any way you like i'm wondering about a food related challenge something that shocked you in your first year in kingston yeah i have like a funny incident the times of meals here in canada is different from egypt so like i mean uh, most of the egyptians like stay up late we can have like the dinner by 10 or 11 p.m very late and also i cook late uh, that incident happened with me like after two months from coming here to canada i was cooking at like midnight or 1 a.m something like this i'm preparing my lunch the next day one of my uh, uh, housemates like woke up and he was angry because of the noise and like the smell of cooking so <laughs> i recognize that it's it's not a suitable time to cook edwin is mina talking about you? i have no idea but uh no no it's be, not it's be, not edwin <laughs> <laughs> to be fair yeah. i sleep a lot as a housemate so <laughs> and i usually have a fan or an ac going on so i'm usually in my own world no 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 it's not you <laughs> yeah. no, no so edwin how about you i guess my struggle was with cooking because just like I used to look at prices the supermarket and compare them to like the Kenyan price back home in Kenya right like you'd get something for three dollars and in my head I'm like that's 300 Kenya shillings that's so expensive <laughs> and I guess over time that kind of mentality has kind of disappeared I guess seven years will make you forget something the other thing with cooking wasn't able to cook some meals I could cook at home like there's this meal called galley which is literally just wheat flour boiled 
failed until it's a hard consistency. Like not being able to cook that is is because I couldn't find the actual flour that we used to cook ugali. So it's just I think all international students can relate with the like, missing ingredients. I sure have my own story, but I'm going to invite Mina to comment on that. Mina, I was wondering if there is a special dish you loved to make but couldn't make it because you couldn't find certain ingredient it's kind of a salad it's called tahini salad yeah it's it's like ground sesame seeds uh, and it's like a very common kind of uh, salad in egypt like the green uh, vegetable salad and tahini so most of i didn't find it in the beginning after a while i uh, one of my friends like told me about uh, fresh cook i found tahini there and i was very happy <laughs> My next question is more about sharing. Edwin uh, Edwin is a social person. So he joined me some days in civil engineering department. Edwin, Dawit and me, like we are now uh, three friends from different countries, from Ethiopia, from Kenya and from Egypt. And another another Mina in my lab and Takeo. So like friends from different countries. Sometimes we eat together. Uh, I cook a kind of food. It's a dessert. Mm-hmm. We simply called it in Egypt rice with milk. Oh, that so, is... Is what we call sütlaç in Turkish. That's my mother tongue. Okay, so when I cooked it here, the Canadian built, oh, yeah, it's a rice pudding, but with different flavor or something. Uh, but most of the people here like it. it. I cooked it uh, to most of my friends in the office and the administration stuff and the technicians as well. It's simply like uh, rice, sugar, and milk. Mix it together, uh, put them on the oven for like oven or stove, Edwin? Uh, in the stove. Yeah, stove. A stove. Okay, so I put the stove for like one hour or one and a half hour and then put some toppings like uh, cinnamon or uh, raisins. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. what we would make as a dessert. I was wondering if you shared food with other students or other people from Queens and you said you prepared them that dessert and shared with everyone, including the technicians in your department or lab. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Most of the people in my building taste the, what's called rice pudding. <laughs> Okay. Edwin? Yes. I guess when I was living with Mina, we shared a lot of food. Like, I remember even when he would go to church, he'd even bring me back food from church. And uh, I also, even though I'm not the best cook, I would make juice. So I became known as the juice guy. <laughs> so just just uh, frozen fruits with uh, lemon and sugar. And that became my thing. What the uh, role distribution you had? One of you making the dessert, the other making the juice. And I bet the third person was contributing with it's the main dish, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of uh, the third persons who shared uh, with Edwin and me the house, like, uh, from India. Uh, he cooked for us, like, one or two times the main dish, which was kind of... Uh, it's actually a chicken, but with the Indian I'm spices. I was wondering, <laughs> when you were not cooking, where did you go in Kingston? Where did you eat when you, when you decided to eat out? Or when you ordered food from... I guess I can start. So, I guess... I would say I've explored almost all the eateries in Kingston, but I would say like my main place that I'd love going for food was Mr. Donaire for shawarma. I think before that, I just used to just eat like Domino's and Little Caesars. Thank you. Edwin Ferris, uh, what is your uh, culinary home in Kingston? When it comes to food, which restaurant in Kingston would you say, oh, that's my home? I didn't like eat outdoors till now, like maybe one or two times which like I went with Edwin to eat sushi because he likes sushi so I went like two or three
three times with my friends in Queens and one time with Edwin for Sakura. Mm-hmm. We went to Sakura to eat sushi. But uh, otherwise, I always like do my food. Yeah, you, you, you cook your own food. Yeah, exactly. I know we've been sort of avoiding the topic, but I guess I like to now steer our conversation to food insecurity. That is the inadequate or insecure access to food because of financial constraints as Queen's professor Elaine Power defines it. We know that this is a serious concern for students at Queen's, especially graduate students. In fact, very recent survey among students shows that nearly half of international students experiencing food insecurity. It is challenging to find food that is inexpensive and nutritious. It's a difficult question or difficult topic to talk about, but I was wondering if any of you has ever experienced food insecurity. I guess I can go first. To be honest, I've experienced food insecurity many times. During my undergrad, I was paying a lot of fees and that was like a big burden for my parents. My stipend that I was getting from back home would cover rent, tuition, and then what was left was usually like maybe 200 to 300 dollars or even less sometimes per month for food mm-hmm. so there'd be times where like i wouldn't like either buy groceries for two weeks or there was even a time i think it was in my second year which was like the toughest year for me when i was literally just drinking protein shakes almost to survive like i just had a, that was my food in graduate school i would say uh, my main struggle was in the summer when i would find no ta ships mm-hmm. and Sometimes I had to decide, okay, am I going to pay my bills, pay my rent or eat food? And luckily I lived with like good friends and there was always the element of food sharing. But there were some times where I literally was taking up debt in order to just get food. And there's even, even been times, even with Mina, he can uh, maybe like tell you more about that, where uh, I was telling him, hey, I mm-hmm. have to pay the rent because like rent comes first. Otherwise I'll be homeless. I see. Mina? Would you like to elaborate on Edwin's response and you might add your own version? Yeah, it was a difficult period sometimes when you can't have healthy and nutritious food. I feel like bad or sorry for, for what, what happened. But this is the life. Yeah, sometimes they have good days and sometimes you have some bad days or difficult days. For me, uh, I face another problem with food. As I mentioned before, like I'm a night person, so I eat late at night and stay up till like 2 or 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. So some days I was very busy working in the lab and I forgot to prepare something to eat. Mm-hmm. And it ended like I didn't find something to eat and most of the shops or restaurants are closed. And I was willing to continue my work, but I recognize that I am very hungry and I didn't have something to eat. Maybe eat some bread or something and sleep. I didn't have a solution at the time mm-hmm. so uh, but i recognize or i learned that i have to decide or make a plan for my meals when i will eat and what i will eat to avoid this situation to be like repeated again i see yeah tomatoes i eat quite a lot of tomatoes because they have no negative impact on my blood sugar levels they're like gold they're so expensive do you have um, like think of something that is that shouldn't be that expensive but it's that costly I would say like stuff, like nuts, peanuts and uh, cashew nuts. So I think prices are just going up every other day and you just have to 
constantly looking for the the flyers, no fri- no frills flyers or food basics flyers. Plan a day to go shop for one one particular item, which is difficult because when you go to the supermarket, you're always gonna grab something else, which also adds onto the burden of your finance. That's true. Luckily, though, those grocery stores uh, rotate the goods they are putting on sale. If you're careful enough, you might actually buy things. I, I'd say staple foods like yogurt, milk, eggs on sale. If you're following closely, Mina, your turn. So, what essential food are you found really expensive in Canada? So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Tomato here is very, very expensive. I like fish. I always fish like salmon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think fish one of bearing to Egypt is very expensive here. But like milk, egg, and some kinds of cheese, I think within the budget, I was bending on them as my main types or main kinds of food. So yeah. to balance, like I can I can eat like fish one or two times. We can say one time per week. So like three or four times per month. Meat and chicken, I am. So I can say I like fish better than uh, meat or chicken one time per week. I see. Once a week. Yeah. That's not yeah. bad. We sometimes are very short. But when it comes to money, we can spend on food. Do you know of any resources? One thing is that uh, EMS Food Bank. AMS so, Food Bank, definitely. Yeah. So I know there's a place if something happened or if I'm in a risk situation or I can't find food, I can go there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Edwin? My department, the Faculty of Neuroscience, used to give out gift cards for groceries. And I think I used that resource a couple of times. Well, they will swipe forward. it forward yeah. too. So. Our listeners may not be familiar with Swipe It Forward. This is a hospitality services and student affairs source. If a student doesn't have enough money for food, they may be eligible for up to 25 meals per semester at any dining hall during the academic year. To be eligible for that, they need to talk to a partner within the university. Their program can refer them or counseling services or wellness center or faith center or quick may refer them. Amazing. It's the first time for me to know about uh, this, but I I remembered something else. Like it's not only for the students, but it's uh, for the community here in Kingston. It's called Martha Table. They are welcoming any anyone who like needs something to eat. He can find something. Mm-hmm. So now we have quite a few resources. So we mentioned AMS Food Bank, Swipe It Forward, and then you mentioned Martha's Table. And do you also know about the Peach Market? Uh, no, I don't know about Peach Market. Peach Market, of course, it stands for Providing Equal Access, Changing Hunger Market. It's a food forward initiative rating on a sliding scale. And as far as I know users can go and self-select the amount of money they are able to pay for their food from a list of suggested prices. So like if you think you can afford $5, you pay $5. Or if if you think it's okay to pay $10, you decide, you know, $10 is good. And you're wondering where that is. It's in the School of Medicine building. Wow. Um, This also is new for me. Uh, I think Queens and Kingston as as a city, they are trying to find solution to what's called food insecurity yeah i wanted to um ask so i don't know if kingston has um like general food
food banks for like could be another way of like helping with food insecurity because once we use all the resources within the university we can of mm-hmm. course reach out to the community and mm-hmm. it's good that you brought it up mm-hmm. yes i think there are some community resources for students who may be experiencing severe food insecurity i know of a loving spoonful this is a community initiative and they do have mark days they sell their produce in front of the calvin park library on thursday afternoons and you pay as much as you you can afford that's one option also one other thing i remembered so i think like clubs on campus i i used to be part of a club called the african caribbean students association mm-hmm. and we used to organize a sort of potluck of sorts it was called soul food sunday and you say soul sunday. food sunday yeah i'm not sure if they're still operating that but we were able to like people are able to come and enjoy foods from all places of africa and the caribbean and I, we never used to charge people anything it was like another potluck so i don't know if student groups could be another resource yeah. uh, reach out to your student group communities and maybe the organize like potlucks that could be another source of like food for students who are facing uh, food insecurity yeah that could be another option My name is Erin Burns, and I'm the university's interfaith chaplain and the director of Faith and Spiritual Life. Our office offers multi-faith, non-judgmental support for spiritual, religious, personal, and existential concerns, problems, or crises. And we work to foster welcoming and inclusive communities where belonging, inclusion, and spiritual wellness are valued and nurtured. We are faith positive, spirituality positive, and queer positive, and our services are for religious and non-religious students. Our student support takes the form of one-on-one conversations, small groups and events. You can request an appointment with myself or another member of the chaplaincy team. We have three associate chaplains from various religious backgrounds. You might want to speak to us about something like a religious dilemma or existential crisis, questions of meaning or values, the spiritual dimensions of mental health, your identity and the intersections you might find yourself in, or anything like stress, work-life balance, loneliness, transitions, traditions, or relationships. We run small groups to support students who are living with grief around the loss of a loved one, and for students who want to explore their spirituality, and for students who are looking for opportunities for connection and community. Our programs and events include times for peace and quiet, interfaith conversations and prayers for peace, study break activities and crafternoons, board game evenings, intergenerational cooking programs, knitting and crochet time, wellness walks, and sometimes even bocce or croquet over near Summerhill. We also help support students who are trying to navigate religious observance accommodations, and support spaces for prayer, reflection, and meditation across campus. For a full list of prayer spaces and more information on our programs and processes, please see our website, Instagram, Facebook, or email us at chaplain at queensu.ca. We're located beside the Quick at 210 Mitchell Hall. Our office is available for drop-in hours and as a study and social space. Our hours are posted on our website, but if you're looking to speak to a chaplain, the best way is to email and set up an appointment. Drop by or reach out if you have any questions about our services. Take care and we We hope you have a fantastic year. I received a lot of tips from you and I hope our listeners will love those tips. I am wondering if there's a final tip each of you might offer your special tip. Okay, nutritious food and healthy and uh, no need for effort or cooking something, just fruits and some vegetables. If you try to cook your own food, 
will maybe take some effort at the beginning, some time to have some time and some effort. But at the end, you will have healthy and nutritious food. And at the same time, you can manage your budget. I don't, I don't like to go with the fast food or ready-made because I think it will be more expensive. Mm-hmm. So try to cook from time to time. Try to have always some fruits and vegetables with you. Plan when and where you will eat. Yeah, that's very useful. Thank you. Edwin, what's your tip? I guess planning ahead would be the best. Like if you want to save money, uh, you can always go with like a snack. Like I realized if I don't leave the house with like my water bottle and like a banana or some fruits, I end up eating out that day. When you're leaving the house, carry something to snack on. Like if you're snacking on something all day, chances are you're not going to feel hungry and go buy a huge meal somewhere. The other thing is I know like planning again, be wise with your meal preps. Like I remember sometimes I would meal prep and make like so much food and the food goes bad quickly that way. Do do things better, like plan things out better. Um, Like I said earlier with shopping, be thrifty, plan out Mm -hmm. your day, like read the flyers for the week and know that, okay, this week I'm buying tomatoes or avocados or whatever food you want to get from like one grocery store and get like something from another grocery store. Like some things you're more better off to get in bulk. Like this isn't, it's, it's, it's about sitting down and being more, I guess, conscious about what you're doing in terms of like what you're putting into your body and Mm-hmm. It never hurts to like sit down and watch a YouTube tutorial on nutrition because we learn a lot and we forget a lot. <laughs> so. We do. We are now closing our session. I'd like to say thank you to both of you, Ed- Edwin Kiarie and Mina yeah, Ferris Pulis. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aslam. Teresa Kuto, the Registered Dietitian and Wellness and Sustainability Manager with Queen's Hospitality Services. Campus food services under Hospitality Services includes three dining halls and many retail food establishments across campus. I support students on the first-year mandatory residence meal plan and other campus meal plan holders with a variety and diverse set of dietary needs. These may include individuals with food allergies, intolerances, food-related medical conditions, or those who follow a diet related to a religious or cultural observance. Nutritious and sustainable food services are important to us. Fresh-to-go products in our retail food locations are made fresh daily right on campus. Salads, whole grain wraps, and protein boxes are just a few examples of the products you'll find. Menu items with higher nutritional value are noted with our Eat Well logo. As part of my role, I support programs through student affairs that assist individuals facing food insecurity. The Swipe It Forward Queens program offers support to individuals facing food insecurity. Individuals who are referred to the program through program partners are provided short-term immediate support by way of complimentary meal swipes for the dining halls that are loaded onto their student card anonymously. Visit the Food Access Resources page on the Student Affairs website at queensu.ca slash studentaffairs slash resources slash students or visit queensu.ca slash food for more information about Queen's Food Services. This podcast aims to support members of the university community with intercultural realities. It also serves as a resource for those who seek to better understand the experiences of individuals with intercultural and multilingual realities. 
This episode is produced by Queen's University International Center and Student Academic Success Services. The music for our podcast series was created by Kingston musician and Santur performer Sadaf Amini. I'd like to thank her for sharing her unique tunes with us. You can find out about her music on her website www.sadafamini.ca. Thank you to the CFRC team for their support. My mentors and thinking partners in this project were Lydia Skulstad and Alyssa Forstner. I appreciate their guidance. I'd like to close this episode by acknowledging that as an international doctoral candidate in Queen's Cultural Studies program, I'm grateful to be able to live, learn, and play on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabeg peoples. Thank you for listening.